Good morning. Welcome to the North Point of View here with Dr. Walter Kimsey's. Walter, good morning. Good morning. Hey, don't pay any attention to the background music. We don't have uh, licensing rights to that one yet. Uh, <laughs> we're going to get back to uh, your guitar and, and drums here pretty soon, right? We're putting the band together? Absolutely. Yeah. We need, we need a bassist. We do need a bassist. Yeah. Um, lead singer? Oh, well, yeah, I think so. Uh, Jenna's pretty good. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. All right, there really we good. go. We'll we just, just need a bassist. We'll figure it out. So the headline of today's uh, podcast is Confusion and Chaos, which we've already uh, thrown everybody probably a little off, uh, off base to get started. But, you know, chaos and confusion uh, are opportunities, right? Yes, they are. And in the stock market days... Uh, I had one of the senior brokers come to me, I mean, first week I was in the business and said, what we need is chaos to make money. That's right. When it's flat and predictable, nobody trades, we don't make money. What we need is turbulence. Right. A lot of volume. Yeah. A lot of volume. And, uh, you know, from that, I mean, I think that there are certain things that create that chaos. Uh, and there's certain people that benefit from it, but um, you got to be careful with that, right? Yeah. And there's there's a creation of um, it seems like chaos and confusion from the media that's there's driving agendas, driving you know a lot of things. Um, and in our last podcast, you know, we were talking about bias, but I think that there, in some regards, there's a bias toward that chaos and confusion right now. Mm -hmm. around the world that I guess if it's up to you or I, we'd like to just turn that volume down a little bit, right? Exactly. I mean, what is it? the old adage is bad news sells. Yep. Good news doesn't. Right. And, you know, to a large extent, that's true. You know, when I, I told you before, I have I get all my daily newsletters and I'm reading through to see if something happened that I didn't expect. Well, when that happens, I obviously read it. Uh, I'm not always an optimistic guy. And... Um, I'd say you're not, and I am, which is another reason that we're that you know we're good partners. Yeah, is that I think I have a, a bias, a tendency toward optimism. It's going to get worked out, and mm -hmm. you are a little bit more you know bigger perspective. It's like well, maybe not yeah. in the short term. Yeah, well, the dismal scientist. <laughs> Just, <laughs> let's admit that's what it is. So uh, yeah, but I mean, what's happened in the last few years is is really interesting. I remember. You know, at the onset of the pandemic, I did not expect it to become a pandemic because we had come close to pandemics in the last 20 years. Yeah. But, you know, uh, somebody thought it was a good idea not to be truthful with the public. And uh, that's how the pandemic became the pandemic. Yeah, that's a great perspective because you're right. I hadn't thought about that in a while, but at the very, very onset, and I'm thinking three months. Yeah. And it was three years. Yeah, because that's what it took to get SARS under control. SARS was going to be a global pandemic. And Hong Kong just shut down everything. <clears throat> and so we owe those people for, the, for at least two years of our life that we didn't yeah. end up locked up like we did in a few yeah. years ago. Yeah. So the problem is, is that <clears throat> once this started, there was absolute lack of perspective. Um, I looked up the... Uh, you know, the, the plagues way in the past. I was on CNBC in around the year 2000, 2001, 
and uh, these things would happen and you'd have to you know be an instant expert so i never liked doing that that part of my job um, but i did research the plagues i had studied pandemics uh, mathematically because that's what you model in statistics and and, and in math uh, it's a good way to learn differential equations and things of that sort and so I looked up, I looked up the Black Plague, I looked up, uh, you know, every, you know the, the Spanish flu. It became interesting, you know, it was one thing to fool around with the math and it was another to read about what had happened. And one thing you should, we needed to expect the minute the pandemic became a pandemic is it's gonna be two years till we get out of this. Vaccine or no vaccine, it's gonna be two years. And uh, all, all the behaviors that we saw were the same that happened back in, in 1918 to 1920 during the two years of the Spanish you know, flu. So we start off, the government overreacts, and we've never seen $5 trillion stimulus spending in right. any economy be before. And uh, both parties are to blame, so I'm not pointing fingers at anybody here. They all jumped in there because they thought they wouldn't get reelected. So you couldn't bias, you know, they couldn't pay enough to make sure they would get reelected. Right. Which um, ultimately was the pig and the python, right? It had to work its way through the system. Exactly. <laughs> so, so there was this big swing towards doing stuff from home, as we all know. And then we were, after we enough of us were vaccinated or got sick and didn't die, <clears throat> we started getting into the herd immunity. And by early 2022, you know, a year after the vaccines started to arrive, um, you could see the travel data surging. And I never understood why the retailers were still ordering stuff at the same pace as before. I mean, did they think the pandemic was going to, and these big trillion dollar, you know, uh, stimuli were going to continue? I am, right. you know, talk about bias. I mean, right. come on. So um, the problem has been ever since people have started going back to their old behavior, uh, over half the time, the media articles that are written and the commentary from analysts have sounded like we are in a recession. Right. And that's one of those bias things that we didn't talk about last time, but it's, you know, it's, it's amazing. The entire system of data and analytics that supports what happens on the stock market, the bond market, commodity markets, etc., it's biased towards the demand side. And it's focused on goods and not on services which is amazing to me because 70% of consumer spending is on services. It's not on goods. It used to be 70% on goods, but that was the 1950s where we had a lot of baby boom kids. We had to buy diapers and toys and all kinds of stuff. But as our society matured, it's shifted towards services. And that's a, that's a really important stat. Yeah. Right? Exactly. I mean, goods and services, 70, 30 to 30, 70. Yeah. The crossover was, I think, early 70s when they, we got to 50-50. So it's one of those X, you know, X kind of curves. One's going up real fast and the other's going down. And there's a little intersection point where we were Where's the microwave oven come in that? Because it's got to be pretty close <laughs> to that, right? <laughs> I'm not spending two hours cooking anymore. It's like a minute and a half. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well... And then, of course, the price of a lot of goods went down because as we made a lot of them, the scale economies kicked in, and then you outsourced the production to other countries. And that's so, a lifestyle component. That's where we are now, right? Yeah. So what happens is, is we, if you look at the, at the economists, 
I, you know, I, when I was at UBS, I built a ton of uh, forecasting models for commodities and for other things. Uh, I, you know, initially didn't start off as an analyst. I was brought in to kind of clean house a bit. The guys were just sticking numbers in an Excel sheet, you know. The so, hatchet. Oh, let's use that number. Dismal yeah. scientist. That's my job. AKA the hatchet guy. <laughs> we, <laughs> but we built these models. And what I learned is that a 10% change in the price of something has less impact on the quantity demanded than a 1% change in income. Interesting. And that's what Keynes said. And, you know, I'm not a Keynes, I'm not biased towards any school of thought, but Keynes made that point. And, and so when you look at Keynesian models of the economy, they're all driven by income yeah. and demand. And so economists grow up with that bias. Even those who say that, oh, I got a supply equation in my model. The problem is economists are numbskulls. They don't understand supply chain. Yeah. And so the, you know, even the Institute for Supply Management, they put out a, a, you know, a, an, an index of, you know, related to manufacturing. And the problem you know, is that when you look at that data, the instinct is to interpret an increase as demand is strong. If it goes down, demand is weak. Well, what happened in the last few years is supply side got all screwed up. Sure did. And so the whole thought process is wrong. The other problem is, is that people are still living in the 1960s when we were still spending more on goods than we were on services. Yeah. And the reality is, is I look at services, I look at supply chain, I look at transportation. Economists, when they figure out how much you can produce in the economy, they look at the inputs. Capital, labor, energy, and materials. Where's transportation? Right. You know, so it's, it's invisible. And so uh, just living in the world of transportation, I think I see the economy so much more clearly. And not because I'm smarter than anybody else, it's just that I happen to be in the best seat in the house. I get a great view of the, of the, you know, of the stage because of where I'm sitting, not because you know, I'm taller than anybody else or something like that. You're at one of the <clears throat> primary gateways to the country. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the, 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 we're going to continue with this problem of people looking at, and commentators looking at the economy as if it was still the 1960s. That's, um, that's a shame. And as we go back towards the way we used to do things, um, It'll continue to confuse people. And I think the, <clears throat> the thing that you said a minute ago, it's, it's really, you know, back to the trend line. I mean, yeah. you, you have said that so many times to remind me of sort of where we are in the process and the fact that, you know, you get a number and it says, oh, here comes the recession. Actually, it's we're going back to the trend line. Yeah. But see, one of the, this is an interesting point because I was explaining this to somebody the other day. Uh, I was on a call with some investors trying to raise capital, and uh, they were looking at the at the port data. And you know, the imports, containerized imports at the top ten ports, they uh, briefly touched close to two million in the, in November of 2018, as everybody's rushing their stuff out of China before the tariffs. Right. And then, in August of 2020, with all of that stimuli the volume surged to 2 million imports uh, that month, and it stayed above 2 million every month, uh, except for February 21, every month until August of 2020. And so 25 consecutive months, 
where the port industry operated at peak volumes. And now the, the volumes have been dropping by double digits. The East Coast by 10 to 20%, the West Coast by uh, 25 to 40%. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of people started reading this as a recession, and it's like, no, we anticipated this. We were operating above the trend line for yeah. 25 consecutive months. Exactly, and yeah. way above. So, yeah. so we have excess inventories in the system. We talked about that, you know, last week. Um, now the problem is, how, do we drop an awful lot to burn everything off at once? You know, that's, uh, uh, you know, let that Queen song, right? I want it now. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, I don't know that we could burn it all off that quickly, but who knows, maybe we do. So we drop a lot for a short period of time and then we start going back to trend or we drop a little bit, but we stay at that little bit below trend for a long time until all the inventories and stuff burn off. Yeah. So right now, I love the volatility I'm seeing in transportation. I know a lot of my friends would, would slap me for saying that, but... Let's just get past this as quickly right. as we can and get back to business. Yes, past the pig through the python. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, it's been great. Walter, it's always a pleasure. Absolutely. See you guys soon. Hey.